0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special segment of the SWW Show. It's another interview. It's me, AJ. I have got Pedro here from Novity VR Studio, makers of Rags to Dishes. Potentially one of the best uh, plays on the Rags to Riches. I don't even know what, like, phrase, I guess?
1: Yeah, I guess I guess it is a phrase. Yeah, I was, I was
0: trying to think. Like, it's not really, it's not necessarily a play on words in the traditional sense. It's a like that rags to riches is a, a phrase or an idea, not, it's not like you're taking the exact word and like a double innuendo, you're kind of playing off of, and established. I'm sure there's some like literary or whatever name for what that is.
1: It probably is. Um, I, I'm not. Okay,
0: I hated not, my language classes, so we're just gonna go with it's a it's a play on words. Um, for those that don't know what rags to dishes is, uh, Pedro, do you mind explaining? Kind of what the game is.
1: Yes, of course. Um, okay, Racks to Dishes is a VR cooking game. Um, so it's not a simulator, if you will. It's, it's a game where you have to make food and prepare orders. Uh, but the focus is on you delivering the orders as fast as you can. Customers will get increasingly impatient Uh, so you have to make sure that everyone's happy uh, whether you're delivering bread or oatmeal or even just a cup of water Um, the focus is to just try to make everything as fast as you possibly can um, so that you get the most amount of money as possible Um, and within the game uh, the main campaign um, like aj said um, We we did have a play on words, so racks to dishes. And the objective is for you to start cooking off for the peasants. And then eventually, um, as you become better and better, you end up cooking for the royal family. And uh, if you're good enough, then you'll be considered the best chef in the land. So that's racks to dishes. Uh, It's out now uh, for everyone to play.
0: So this is... Like from from what I've seen about this game, it's like the almost the perfect combination of like an Overcooked mixed with um, Cook Serve Delicious, where it's it's kind of the station work of an Overcooked, but it's also the rapid pace of the Cook Serve Delicious games, and I have to mm-hmm. say if 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 that's what you guys are going for, like those are the two bits from those games that if somebody was gonna make a game taking bits from those two specifically, like those are the two that that definitely are the ones to uh to hit and play what it looks like you guys really nailed it. <laughs> uh th-
1: thank you very much for that. We we were definitely going for the heckness of overcooked um, I must say that our game is single player, so we don't have a co-op or even a multiplayer game mode. Uh, so I guess it, it differs from Overcooked uh, in that sense, but we were definitely going for the hecticness. Um, in terms of the game itself, it's, it's obviously not the first VR cooking game out there. So I must I must give a shout out to, to some of the games uh, that influenced Raksa dishes. Um, and they were the VR Diner Duo, the Cooking Game VR, Counterfight, and Batter Up VR, uh, to name a few.
0: Well, yeah, that's. VR cooking is definitely a uh, genre that I have completely looked over. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean,. I'm not that great of a cook anyway, so cooking and cooking in games for me is kind of a. I don't know if if release is the right word, but like an escape. Like, hey, I can, I just have to watch this meter go up instead of, you know, uh, guessing if this is cooked all the way through.
1: (laughs) Um, Yes. Uh, I mean is it a good thing, is it a bad thing if you've not tried um VR cooking games before? It's I guess it's it would be a good thing for us. You can try uh racks of dishes, so that'd be your first experience uh of a VR cooking game. Um but like like I said, it's not it's not proper work, it's not proper cooking. Um it, we, we didn't really try to go for the simulator um type of uh, of game. So it's it's more Definitely the focus is on trying to get orders out of the kitchen as soon as possible. And um, we've introduced a fun uh, element to it as well. So I don't think you'd find it uh, too demanding, I feel.
0: Just getting the orders out. Sounds like all of my local restaurants, like nobody really cares what the quality is just as long as you get it out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um well you're able to to burn some of the food in the game and the customers will still take the order. Um so I guess that that is possible but they will they will give you less money for it.
0: If only that's how it worked in real life like oh this dish is a little overdone or it's a little underdone. Hey, I'm taking x off my bill. Instead of no, you're going to pay what it says, and you're going to like it.
1: <laughs> um, our our customers are a little bit more forgiving than that. Um, so we're, Hopefully, that does come across.
0: Oh, that's that's the nice thing, right? Like games games that capture the true reality of life in a way are kind of boring. I think anybody will will attest to that, where you go to games as a release, not to continue whatever you're doing on a daily basis. Um, I think the only people group that would disagree with that are the people that are super diehard um, truck simulator players. Mm -hmm. Because from what I've heard, there are quite a few of them that are actual truckers in real life. So they get done with their job and then go immediately play a game that is their job. And I'm like... like They're fun games, but it's like... Man, sometimes you just want to... You know, you just want to run around in in an open world and screw around. Or you just want to spend the night in VR cooking meals for medieval-times people. Or... I don't. I don't want it to be. I don't want a game to be. What I see on a daily basis.
1: No, exactly, and um, th- that's that's a really really good point. You you have truck simulators, you have driving simulators, you have flight simulators. They do have um, an audience, and, and people love them. With with racks to dishes, we try to strike a balance between a full-on cooking simulator, and a fun game. Um, And I think at the end of the day, we we wanted to focus on simple and fun mechanics that people would be happy to do over and over and over again, um, for an hour, two hours, um, whatever length they would like to play for. Um, But just to give you an example, um, in, in the game, we have different set of recipes, so one of them is oatmeal. Initially, we thought, well, surely to make oatmeal, you, you take some water, add it to a pan, you take some oats, add it to a pan, let it cook, and then collect it with a bowl. Uh, but as we were trying that, it felt like it was way too passive for it to be any fun. So we thought, okay, what could be a cool variation on this? So then we added this spoon, and you have to mix. Uh, So right now, the way the oatmeal works is you have to add water, oats, and then you have to mix it. And whenever you finish mixing, um, then you serve it. Um, So we we felt like that was a good compromise. Um, And we tried to take that approach to every single recipe in the game so that it wasn't too simple to the point where it's just an assembly game, but we didn't want to go on full simulator
0: well it sounds like there's definitely the uh the viability there to screw it up or get it just right um and you mentioned that there is a campaign is there a like once you're done with the campaign is there much more to do is there i mean there's you said there's no multiplayer so is there a is there a reason to come back
1: there is, um, so when we first started developing Raxter Dishes two years ago, um, our main goal was to take the best of VR, which at the time were these really simple but effective games that you could keep playing over and over again. Uh, so for example, Job Simulator, Hot VR, but at the same time, make sure that it was an engaging story you could dedicate yourself to Um, and so the game has two main game modes so it has the campaign as you mentioned and that will take you roughly six hours to complete and then we have a five minute mode and the five minute mode um, is available for the three levels of the campaign so those three levels are the peasants the nobles and the royals And um, the five-minute mode, like the name indicates, you have five minutes to cook as fast as you can, deliver as many orders as you possibly can, and at the end, you get a high score. Uh, So in the game, currently, we have local leaderboards, so you're encouraged to try to get the high score, Uh, but right now, we're working on a major update that's going to come midway through December that's going to have some online leaderboards, so we get some competition going.
0: Yeah, I feel like you know, there's there's something to be said about local leaderboards, but when um, you know, when it when it's just you or it's, I guess VR games are a little harder to be like, hey, roommate, come play this. Like, at least with a a normal a, a quote unquote normal game. It's a little easier to hand somebody a controller, like an Xbox controller or a PlayStation controller, and be like, Here, just mess around in this. Whereas VR is like, Okay, we gotta get you centered, get the headset on, fit it right, like get your eyes right. Um So so local leaderboards in a VR game are kind of like Well, you're trying to best yourself, which some people like, but and and to a certain extent i like like okay i did this i know i can improve here but then it's like okay i feel like i've maxed out and then with the online leaderboards having that extra to strive to is definitely definitely a plus i feel like
1: mm mm-hmm. um yes the game's been out for for 2 weeks and that's definitely at the top of um, the players' requests in terms of getting an online leaderboard. Uh, like you said, especially with VR, it is a little bit tricky um, to jump in and out if you have a group of friends around. Um, but um, in, in the actual game, we, we did try to set up a challenge for the players. So there are some um, default scores um, that, that you can try to beat but to be completely honest, the idea from the start was always to have online leaderboards. We just couldn't get it ready for launch. But we're, we're working on it right now. And uh, like I said, in, in about three, four weeks, um, the game will, will have a major update that will um, allow players to to compete with each other online.
0: Well, definitely be looking forward to... Uh to that update once i can once i can see people around the world and realize that some of them are way better at games than i am sometimes it's good to be humbled by by worldwide leaderboards um but yeah i will definitely be looking forward to the progression of rags to dishes throughout as it appears to be you know it's a it's one of those games that it looks like it's going to be a very fun okay i can i don't have anything to do tonight i'm just going to get lost in vr and playing a game or two this feels like this could easily join the rotation of the uh the vr games i get lost to
1: um, we We certainly hope so um when we thought of um, a cooking game as well it, it it was funny because we the way we came to that decision um, was through a team vote basically so we we tried a bunch of games at the beginning and um, my personal preference was always you know, the action shooting kind of games um, but it was Very apparent that in terms of our overall team preference, all liked cooking games, and we all felt like it was a very accessible genre of game. And um, if done well, uh, like you said, it could join the rotation in terms of games people uh, pick up when they first buy a headset, or games people pick up when um, they get home uh, after work and they just want to relax for a little bit and play a VR
0: game yeah it's it's interesting that you say that the action uh, an action style game was one that you were thinking of I feel like VR with it being kind of it's still pretty young in terms of kind of overall public adoption so there's very few it feels like genres in VR like there's the Okay, it's the the shooting game. You know, you're either stationary or mobile, um, or like teleporting around, there's the your controllers are now swords games. So you just get to swing your hands around. Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of outside of that in like VR uh implementation for vehicle based games, it feels like. There's not much, like, there, as you mentioned, there are a few cooking games, but, I mean, as as somebody that, that has VR and has had VR for a while, it always felt like when I was hearing about new VR games, it was, oh, it's another unrail shooter or it's another hack and slash style game or, you know, it's a driving game or something like that. Yeah, so, the, so the ones that stuck out, the ones that weren't those, are, at least to me, kind of like the ones that you want to point people to. They're like, "Hey, I just got a headset. Um, you know what do you recommend?" And I recommend, you know, kind of things that are off the wall. Like the one that I'm recommending now was Half Life Alex because I'm finally playing that, but. Um, you know, there's some others out there, like, it's, you know, this is definitely, at least, short of the game just not working, which it doesn't appear to have that issue. Um, Rags to Dishes is going to join that list of, like, hey, I just got into VR, what are a few of these things that that I should uh, look into?
1: We, we we certainly hope so. Um, that that was one of our goals uh, from from the very start. And um, just talk, talking about games in general, I feel this year has been has been very strong. So you mentioned Half Life, Alex. That's that's just one of the biggest games in VR uh, ever, pretty much. Um, I still haven't tried that one. Uh, sadly enough, uh, I've been busy with racks to dishes, but that's definitely at the top of my list of uh, games to try, but Iron Man VR, uh, it came out for the PlayStation uh, VR as well and, and that looks really cool as well. Um, recently we've had Star Wars Heroes from the Galaxy and the reviews seem to be positive. Uh, um, but slowly but surely um, the, the VR games are, are becoming bigger, are becoming more ambitious and um, hopefully it, it keeps going that way.
0: Yeah, that was little, I was like VR really needed that one. And it it appears that Alex is going to be that game. It needed that one thing to kind of like gather attention around like uh, Fortnite did it for battle Royales, right? So it's like, now everybody's making a battle Royale. It brought attention to a genre that has been massively overlooked. And any, any eyeballs that VR gets outside of the super hardcore dedicated um PC or uh PlayStation user base it's it helps the the medium as a whole move forward and get and get to become a viable option and not just like you know the when the uh Vive first came out it's like, man, I really don't know if somebody's making a VR-only game and they're not a major studio. I just don't know how you survive because it's a super, super high barrier to entry. And, you know, it's slowly chugging along. And now with, with Alex being up for several publications, Game of the Year and the only way you can experience that is in VR once people get into that system they're like okay i need something else and so they start looking to games that they would like and you know it's it's very fun to see and i'm sure as as you guys as a VR studio seeing something like alex come out it's like yes that's exactly what this industry needed it it needed a super big player to come in and kind of throw their weight behind this technology that i mean still to a vast majority of people is this foreign like completely unknown realm
1: absolutely absolutely um it's um it's interesting because two years ago, the I mean, the VR industry was was getting bigger and bigger, but still it was it was fairly small. You had the enthusiasts, and um like you said, you needed to get a Vive, for example, or an Oculus Rift, and that's why uh, that has quite a high um, barrier to entry. Um and right now, uh, with all these games coming out. Um, obviously Alex um, as the um, flagship if you will um, and then you also have some standalone headsets as well which have dropped the prices and allowed you to just instead of having a fully kitted out pc uh, that cost you potentially thousands of, um, of pounds um, plus you know a, a proper dedicated vr space now you can just um, and obviously, the Oculus Quest 2 um, does have some controversy around it, uh, you know, requiring players to have Facebook accounts and, and whatnot. Uh, but regardless, um, I feel like that's where um, the majority of new VR users are, are starting to experience VR is through, um, is through that headset. Um, but I feel like there's, there's still a long, long way to go in terms of VR um, generally speaking, most of my friends have not tried VR, um, and, and obviously that needs to change. Um, but it's going to change with, with the headsets getting cheaper, more accessible, uh, and with more and more games uh, coming out. Um, and you know, even speaking of games, for example, we, we had a situation where there is another cooking game called uh, Cookout. And uh, it came out in September, I believe. And at the time, you know, everyone kept asking, you know, so are you guys nervous? You know, this is real competition now. Um, and our mentality has always been, well, look, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And uh, if there's someone interested in another cooking game, um, maybe they'll be, you know, their initial contact with, with the genre. And when ours comes out, they'll be more receptive to try ours. Um, and so... I'm I'm really glad that there are more and more games coming out and that there are more and more people trying VR.
0: Well, Pedro, I am very uh hopeful and very much looking forward to the hopeful success of Rags to Dishes. Um I can see the pun headlines now of rags to dishes you know going from rags to riches like that like i can see that headline running itself
1: we hope so we hope so yeah
0: it was a uh, very very fun talking to you and uh thank you very much for uh joining us
1: thank you um it was it was great fun thank you very much for having me on uh and it's it's been a pleasure aj
2: This episode is partially brought to you by the Humble Choice program. Did you know Humble Bundle has a great monthly subscription service that lets you get a ton of video games every single month? That's right. From Plans range from $5 to $20 a month. You get a hold of a bunch of free games they have available to you. And you could use our code down in the description below to go and sign up. It would help our podcast and help you see what great games are available for you this month. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another one of these fun interview edition episodes of the S.W.W. Show. I'm Mike, and today with me a guest from, I guess, all the way around the world. Jesus, this is, I hate time zones and, and long distance and figuring all of this out. Anyway, I'm with me Dan from. Is it phase two games is it p t
3: y oh it's just phase two games, yeah
2: from phase two games to talk about battle hunters uh first off, Dan, uh how are you doing? Is it morning for you night? i'm not fully sure
3: It is nine a m in the morning, so it's all good It's a beautiful sunny day in Melbourne Australia, so everything is good at the moment we're it- still um we're still, you know, in 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 a form of lockdown here at the moment, though, so that's not great. But, um, you know, we're getting by.
2: I I have to ask the immediate dumb question: Is is Melbourne when it's not on fire ever not sunny? <laughs>
3: um, well, I, I, like I, I can I can correct you, you on on both counts. Um, um, the the fires are wi- wildly exaggerated overseas. This has been something that that I've found quite interesting the last couple of years. Um. Melbourne itself is never on fire. Um, And Melbourne is really, really seasonal as a city. Uh, It's very much like, um, oh, look, I would sort of compare it to a slightly warmer version of London or something in the sense that we get really hot summers, but we get a lot of rain, a lot of, you know, cold in winter, and we get everything in between. So I like it. I think it's fantastic here.
2: So legitimately, I've heard this before, and everyone in Australia tells me they have winter. I just tend to not gutturally believe them because i'm currently <laughs> in in minnesota which i don't know if you know that is i am like five hours south of the canadian border right now so like to me i'm like you don't know we don't know what winter is i promise <laughs> like
3: <laughs> yeah no look I, I, th- I think that's fair in fact um now that now that i think about in those terms what we call winter yeah you would probably call a sort of fairly comfortable <laughs> day like like, like it never gets really below, you know, one degree Celsius, really. So, um, yeah. That's to, be, cool to be to cool
2: fair. It's just, like, to me, that's, like, <coughs> late fall. That's not, like, dead of winter. Dead of winter, to me, would be, like... Yeah. <laughs> if I do math, right, I think it'd be, like, negative five or six Celsius. Like, it'd be some, like, absurd... Like, yeah, okay, lower. that's fair. <laughs> and,
3: and, and, and to make the point more clearly, I guess I should point out that, like, in Melbourne, like, it never snows. So... Um, I guess there's a baseline for you. Like, it snows up in the mountains, but that's, like, right out in the country. But, um, yeah, okay, fair play. So, it's pretty... I guess it's pretty comfortable most of the time. But we do get, you know, we get, like, 42-degree days. I don't know. I can't remember what that is in Fahrenheit. But it's like something, yeah, it's 42. Well so. over 100.
2: Oh, I yeah. promise you it is well over 42. So, for an American audience. Jesus Christ. It's 107 degrees. Which, you've heard, like, Florida is a scary place in America. That place that brings a hundred yeah, people yeah. are dying. Like, that's the level we're talking here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right, okay. Well, there you go. So, yeah. Um. But in the north, you know, because Australia is huge. In the north of Australia, like up in Queensland and stuff, it gets much worse. It's, like, hot all the time. So, I think it's unbearable to live up there. But, uh, no, M- Melbourne's cool. And Melbourne's kind of really... You know, it's sort of culturally really good. Lots of great bars and restaurants and nightlife and all. Well, we used to before um, lockdown, but um, anyway, <laughs> we should probably move on.
2: <laughs> Perfect. I just appreciate talking to in the other countries. So yeah, so we're going to talk about Battle Hunters. Um, yeah. To start us out, then, what would if someone asked you what is Battle Hunters? What would you
3: call it? This is this is the elevator pitch conversation, right? Like I always find these hard. Um, I would say it is a a, um, a classic style RPG inspired by console RPGs of the sort of mid-90s, early 2000s, uh, that, that has a kind of unique real-time tactical combat system. That's kind of my shortest version possible, I think.
2: So, I think, I think, so you were kind enough to give us codes for Battle Hunters, for us to go to try it out, and all that fun stuff, and I think, I think it's a fair comparison, because I think I was reading you I to that before the thing that struck out to me, I think it's no is it no more heroes. There was a switch RPG that was turn based and it was lane based, but it definitely gave me like very similar vibes so to kind of get us started oh, okay what other specific kind of like RPGs or games kind of by name do you think of that like you might know that you think really influence kind of as you're going through being like these are the pieces kind of like this game and this game and this game
3: well i mean it, to, to be honest like it, it it's like. Battle Hunt has evolved over sort of many years, really, so we kind of started with a really simple premise we we sort of so it's not like we necessarily took elements or direct inspiration from existing games like um you know like I'll give you an example like there's a game um like I, I'm guessing you might be a little bit too young for this, i don't know, but like there's a game called Grandia on. It was on Dreamcast and PlayStation 2. And Grandia 2 in particular, and this is going back, I think Grandia is about 1998 or something like that. Um, It had what I thought was at the time the best RPG combat system I'd ever seen because it kind of blended this notion of taking turns but kept the action alive and flowing. And so we wanted to do something like that but not exactly the same. So, you know, we kind of took really broad inspiration from a lot of games in the sense of like like high level goals like we don't want it to be turn-based like Final Fantasy um you know we want it to be strategic in the sense that you get to make decisions with your characters but we don't want it to be sort of slow and 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 stilted in in how you do that so um yeah I, I that. that's kind of how we we took inspiration more from a very high level but also like from the sort of art and presentation style like I've always just liked That sort of era, um, where characters were caught on the more on the cartoony side, sort of colorful, lighter in tone, not so earnest and taking itself so seriously. So, again, it was like I wasn't sort of necessarily looking at a particular style from another game, but more like more, more a sensibility and a tone. Um, yeah, is that kind of that kind of help?
2: Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. I, I like to when I was playing it, I think it reminded me of like if I took the idea of Fire Emblem characters that made them more cartoony is kind of like the way right. it, it Guttily felt to me. And obviously, sure. you, you change the combat and movement a bit on there too because it's not this pure tactical thing. But I think that to me felt it was probably the closest guttural thing feeling that way. Um, going through it, I think one of the big selling points you guys doing and playing it was you seem to have a lot of this combat system I think is one of the things that really stood out to me. Um, I'm curious kind of because an immediate critique i might give being like it's not only it's a game big I think it just took me longer to get used to it than i would have thought it would have is how much i could do in that combat system especially when i'm dealing with a lot of characters
3: yeah okay so, sorry can you say you dropped out a little bit there yeah, no problem just so, that?
2: so i was just saying so like that combat system for example um yep there's a lot there i feel like for and i feel like it just surprised me how much i could do Especially given the amount of characters I control at one time, especially in like the early parts of the game when it's like, okay, now you have three characters and you could do like five things. I'm like, oh, and I only have so long to decide.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that kind of again, the game sort of evolved in the sense that, believe it or not, we started out, and in hindsight, it was it was really stupid. We started out with this kind of simpler idea like like you were going to play more of a sort of coach and and your characters would be much more autonomous and and there was less for the player to do um and we found that that it was just it was it was just not an engaging experience and we felt there was an opportunity to give the player like more choices more involvement more direct control and we could just kind of scale that over over time to the point where yeah we ended up you, you can do all these neat things and, and, you know, interrupt the sort of flow of battle at any time and set them to defend or move to a different space or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we were really trying to find the ideal balance. And I, I think the thing, and, and this is the danger of being a, a games developer, especially when there's only two of you in the team. Um, you spend so much time intensely playing the game you, and you, you want to make it more engaging and sort of more exciting for yourself, kind of forgetting that you're, familiarity and skill with the game is constantly increasing um, and it's not like someone who's playing it for the first time so um yeah look it, it may be that players do take a while to get used to how it works and and you know uh, and and all the options you have and and making decisions quickly and when the battles get frantic towards the end of the game it gets it gets quite manic like you've really got to stay on top of what you're doing otherwise you just get wasted Um, and yeah, look, maybe the balance isn't perfect, but, um, you know, game development's more of an art, not a science, right? So it's, um, you just do your best, really.
2: You just put it into the computer, you hit a button, and whatever number pops out, that's correct. Are you telling me that's not correct?
3: Sorry, when when you when you
2: I've heard you just put it and you put the number in the Excel. sheet and just use that number at always It's just, it's perfect. oh yeah yeah it's no absolutely
3: equally. yeah. <laughs> There's no yeah, subjectivity, and then you get yourself a smash hit and you make millions of dollars. It's easy.
2: Gene, I'm see this. We have solved game development. We have made it easier for everyone from that point <laughs> forward. Who's got to sell that Excel yeah,
3: sheet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. If, I mean, if only it's so far from that, and 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 you know, like. I used to work for bigger studios and, and going back to a very, very small team, um, you know, y- you kind of forget the complexities involved in the whole process, not not just developing the game itself, but everything about it, like trying to market it, trying to connect with people and all sorts of things. It's, it's, it's crazy. But anyway, if only there was a formula, Mike, I'd love it.
2: Oh, kind of then. I, th- I think, and this is not like I think you guys are isolated. I think it's a very common thing with a lot of games, especially with Complex or harder systems kind of onboarding people is really hard because obviously the fun isn't for a lot of these games is until I mastered all of them and now I can start balancing them back and forth I'm curious yep. kind of as you've gone over development I'm almost assuming correct me wrong the game used to be harder and you've changed it or has this always kind of been like the balance Difficulty kind of what you thought it'd be at
3: um, Yeah, look it, it's it's really hard to say because also, like, like the, game, the, the difficulty of the game changes a lot as you move through it. Like, it, it, it certainly starts a lot easier than it was at one point. But, um, like, I, I imagine if you've only played it for a couple of hours, you, you're probably only into the forest level, right? And, and you've, yeah. So, as you get towards the end of the game... Like what we've what we've tried to do, and again, you know this is this is really difficult stuff because you know you're also dealing with a complete spectrum of skill sets on the other side, you know, like like so it's not like it's not like if you if you balance a game for like the perfect gamer subject, uh, you've done your job. It's like everyone's got different skills anyway. Um, we've tried to create an experience that that eases you into it and and towards the end of the game, you know you 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 really, you know you sort of do things instinctively like like all the best games you know you the, the, the things that are difficult at first become second nature later on but uh, look, i look i don't know so uh, i would say yeah the, the early part of the game is easier than it than it initially was but um we've kind of flipped that by by the time you get to the end of the game some of the battles like if you don't pay attention you'll get killed in about i don't know about 10 seconds all your guys will be wiped out so it gets it gets really kind of ruthless but you know I, I wanted to maintain that that aspect that like it's got, it's got to be hard like um satisfying experiences only emerge when there's tension you know created by a challenge for the player um so we had to have that in it as well so i honestly honestly don't know i've completely lost my sense of how difficult it is now i i, I can't tell you
2: i can only imagine early game you probably sit there and you're just like well, the, you just sit there and just go, boom, 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 boom. Oh, I beat the game. What happened? Yeah. yeah. So one of the other things that is one of the big things of this game is, and I think it really matches what you're talking about, how like, you want to look at the 90s, early 2000s, like, geez, before we cared about graphics and the, like, the highest fidelity, instead of like, what this gameplay is. You have a decent amount of classes, especially for how small your team is. Um, obviously, it <laughs> to start the player out, you start out with the guy. The, the Mage, the Knight, the Archer, kind of, like, good onboarding classes. I was curious if yep. you could talk about, like, one or two, like, later classes that, like, you think are really unique or something you're really proud of in this
3: game. Yeah, okay. Well, like, I mean, that, that, that that's, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, the, the, this is the other thing as well. Like, we kind of wanted to subvert um, a lot of tropes as well. So, you know, it, it's a little bit of a, what do you call it, a sort of bait and switch, I guess, in that we start out with these really as you say, well-established kind of touchstones that people can relate to immediately, especially if you're an RPG fan. So, you know, we give you the classics and everyone's like, oh, okay, this is how the game's gonna work. But I think as you go through the game, you sort of realize that, I mean, classes, it's its an interesting word. Like we we sort of really only have three, sort of, but the, then the, the, in another way, every character is their own class. Like they're sort of there sort of isn't classes as well, because, certain certain characters that would fit into say that cause, so so strictly speaking we have melee we have magic and we have ranged obviously but there are characters that kind of sort of cross over in some ways as well like like melee characters that have ranged moves and ranged characters that can do things that um mage characters can do and so um w- you know we just thought why why stick to uh, you know really sort of strict delineation when there's no need to and it can just make the game more fun so that's kinda of, I don't know, that's kind of a comment on the class thing, I guess. It's it's much more malleable than it might first seem. Um but in terms of characters that I'm really proud of, like um and I uh, look ones that leap to mind, there's a character called the Mecha Marine later in the game. You sort of meet him early on, um, and he's like a sci-fi soldier in like a like a robotic exosuit and he's kind of crashed and you meet him and you have to find his power source to like um bring him back and he's just a sort of character that like everybody l- loves because he's just got that classic appeal like he's huge and he's got you know he's got cannons that fold out of his arms and he carries like a massive pulse rifle and so he's really cool um he's got a good range of kind of defensive and offensive stuff um and there's look i don't want to give too much away but there's there's characters that really subvert the sort of world and we we kind of create a You know, a a, a kind of flimsy pretext for how that works. But, like, there's a cowboy in it as well from the old west. Um, And he's kind of really interesting because of the way his um, fire rate works and, you know, like things like he starts off appearing to be quite weak. But if you stick with him and you upgrade the right things, he he becomes, like, a really dangerous hero. Um, So we've also done that as well. Like, if you take the time to get to know each hero or class... You can discover things about them that make them, you know, particularly useful or powerful in a certain way that other characters aren't. So, I think that there's a lot of kind of subtle depth in the game that hopefully players will discover if they if they spend some time experimenting.
2: I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think talk about a cool, unique feature kind of games game has where like. I think I think foundationally when people would be like, Oh, it's an IPG that's your classes, as we talk about it goes like they go, Oh, mage, knight, archer, like, oh this fancy, like maybe we have a sorcerer, maybe we have this. Like instead you guys took that foundation of those three and like put pieces on top of it instead of pieces next to it. Which doesn't sound that different until in practice it really does.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a that's a that's a pretty good way of putting it. Um and and yeah, like the, the the key thing is too that when players, you know, because we've got so many heroes that you can discover, like there's 28 in the game. So the key thing is that, you know, when you find a new hero and, I you know, th- this is my hope. I, I don't know if it actually worked out this way, but my hope is that the player learns that they can't make too many assumptions about a hero they find. Like it's like, oh, okay, this guy's like a melee and he looks a bit strong and slow. Okay, cool. So um i'll just assume i get how he's going to work but if you actually like use them for a bit and sort of uh, uncover what their abilities are you might go oh i really like that this guy's got this novel thing about him that makes him not just different in terms of his sort of stats but uh, different sort of laterally as well in terms of like there's a different sort of tone to how he works or something so um yeah we've just tried to make it really interesting and look fun was always the driver as well like if I come up with an idea for a character, for a special move or a hero or whatever, it would just be like, just put it in. And if it if it kind of bends the rules of the games a bit, it's like, that's okay. So long as it's it's coherent and the player can understand how it works, that's, it's fine, you know. Um, I think more novelty and more interest is always a good thing for the player. You know, more choice, more variety. You know, the, the last thing you want is your game to become stale and the player to get to a point where they go, oh, yeah, I, t- I totally get this. This is just more of the same. You want to keep giving them something novel all the way through to keep feeding that, that, you know, that interest and that stimulation in their brain.
2: I do like the thing of, so it's the thing that reminded me of it, I think it was the Sid Meier quote was that games just a, just a linear line of interesting decisions. And I think that's very much, it's the same idea you guys are kind of going with in this one is, except the interesting decisions are figuring out the decisions that you guys made for the classes and kind of really flipping that not quite as head, but kind of changed the format out a lot. One of the other things is when I was playing through it. The thing that we was talking about this game is is you very much felt like to me, and this is kind of a good way. Is it reminds me of those game, those RPGs where I just go, oh, I could just go grind in this RPG for a while and get and just level up and like get new classes, stuff like that. Kind of was that kind of your goal in mind? Because as we talked about, like the '90s, two thousands RPGs, I feel like to me with some exceptions. That's what's very strong about that era is those are the RPGs that people just feel like, I'm gonna go grind in this for X hours and go up my stats and make me more powerful and more stronger.
3: Yeah, um we wanted to we we definitely wanted to give the player that some aspect of that, but we also wanted to limit it a bit because, you know, like we didn't want it to break obviously the difficulty curve of the game or, you know, make it too. So that's kind of where the arenas came in. So I, I, I assume, did you get to a point where you found the arena, one of the arenas?
2: Yeah. I think I probably, I think I found the first one as part, a little bit after yeah. I stopped playing.
3: Yeah. So, so yeah. So the arena. But only after, I think it's about 60 seconds. So you kind of have to like wait a little while or go and do something else and, and then come back. But yeah, so we did want to provide if the player really is determined to grind, they can find a couple of arenas and just go, but like every, every overworld has three arenas. So, and, and, you know, as you get into the game, the, the arenas have much more difficult creatures in them, which yield much more XP and all that sort of thing. So yeah, like we wanted to put that element in. So if you're, if you're really determined sort of hardcore player, you can kind of, Get to an, a particular overworld and just cycle through the arenas constantly and um ratchet up, but you know it, it it does take time and and you know we sort of hope that there's enough again, it's you know you're always trying to strike a balance that there's this tension between the player wanting to move this you know the adventure on and the story and see what's next rather than just grind away so yeah, you, you know you you can do that if you want, but um you know that 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 might diminish the experience later in the game because it becomes a little bit easier, but um. You know, we, we appreciate some players like that kind of thing. They like to grind and they like to get their heroes boosted early and do that. So, again, we just tried to strike a balance by by providing that, but not making it too too easy to just sit there and grind away.
2: Okay, yeah, no, that I think that, that's fair and that makes a lot of sense. Um, as we get to the tail end of the discussion, so as we're talking, you guys came out um November 5th, or however you say it in Australia, because I'm probably saying it wrong there, um, no, no,
3: November 5th is fine, or okay. 5th November.
2: <laughs> 5th of November is kind of a thing, whenever I hear people, like, in the rest of the world, they always do the like, go day, month, year, and I'm always like, oh, this this is wrong. We do it correctly here, and you, you're all just wrong.
3: Um, yeah, see, it's a, that's a funny thing, that, and I'm going to call you on that, because we go... I I always find that, like, and this is, this is a sort of game developer in me, or part of my technical brain, but you should always go in sort of consistent order of resolutions. So like, you know, day, month, year makes sense to us because, you know, you're going from the, low, the, the highest granularity to the lowest. Whereas, what do you guys do? You go month, day, year, right? Yeah, we go month, day, year. Yeah. That's just wacky. Like, what, what, what's that about?
2: <laughs> what's next? You're going to complain because we, like, measure in gallons and all that nonsense?
3: Oh, don't get me... Don't get me started. What the hell is a gallon? I think it's four liters or something. It's mental. Um, no, look, that's fine. Well, that's fine. Um, no, I, you know <laughs> oh, look, I look, I love the states. i've I've been over many times, and I think it's a fantastic country. so no, i think I think idiosyncrasies are always great. Just makes it would be boring if we all did everything the same.
2: And we're America, so we get to say uh, for everything, basically. look at the crazy rest of the world.
3: Uh, exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: You guys have been out roughly two weeks from when we're talking. I'm curious, kind of, how has the feedback been for the game compared to kind of what you guys thought it'd be like going into this?
3: Oh, we we have very, you know, we have very modest expectations. My business partner and I have been making games for a long time. So we're quite, you know, we're quite grounded about this sort of stuff. So, look, feedback has been... it it's it's really interesting and, and we've seen this before with stuff we've done in the past. Um the player feedback has been quite good. Like I would say, you know, anywhere from above average to sort of gushing. Like some some players really love the game. Others have gone like, Yeah, it's cool, you know, enjoyed it, I'd recommend it, but they're not kind of like doing cartwheels. But the press feedback we've got so far hasn't been great. Um so there's a bit of a there's a bit of a dichotomy there, like the the games media that we've um with some of the feedback we've got already is it is it you know is it, it some of it's been quite average and um you know i i'm not really sure what to make of that I, you know as someone who's been making sort of creative stuff for i don't know 20 years um you do kind of learn to not really listen to critical reviews too much like it's much more important what the players are feeling and how you know are they enjoying the game i mean at the end of the day you, you, what you're trying to achieve you're trying to give somebody an enjoyable experience that's literally what your goal is you want to make somebody happy while they're playing the thing you've built so critics and journalists are eh, you know you take it all with a huge grain of salt so hopefully we're tracking in the right, right direction the players seem to be enjoying the game um, to various extents so look it's good we, you know we, we've um and and we've, enga- we've engaged with a few players who have had some comments and some suggestions and all that and we're we you know we're considering what we're going to do um, as a small indie team, you've got to be careful about how long you spend supporting a game because um, it's not like a big studio where you can allocate staff and resources to kind of service a game for a year while everyone gets on with making the next blockbuster. Um, You know, as a, as a two man team, you sort of got to, you sort of got to look at the, the practicalities of how long you can service stuff and how many changes, how many patches you can do before you just kind of like, you know, treading water. But, we're going to try and do some things to improve the game over the next sort of couple of months, and make sure that if there are things that the players really don't like about it or, or would really enjoy having added, we're certainly going to try and do that. Um, like for example, there's been some suggestions of like like an endless battle mode where you sort of just go to a zone and, you know, we, we can like randomly spawn a, a collection of monsters based on certain parameters, like if you want, you know, light, medium, hard, small, heavy, whatever. And just give players the opportunity to just sort of like battle over and over and over again. And, you know, it, it seems like an obvious thing that we probably should have done. But, you know, time is really precious when there's only two of you. So things like that, we might go back and add in. So um, I guess, I guess you know, in the short version, I guess we feel we're just starting the relationship with the players at this point in terms of what we're going to do. So we, we, we're looking forward to getting more feedback and more comments. and And hopefully we can do something positive with that.
2: Perfect. So let's make sure... Let's try to sell you a few more copies of the game. So the game... Oh, hell yeah. ...is Battle Hunters. It is available <laughs> on just Steam?
3: No, it's on, it's on Nintendo Switch as well.
2: On Nintendo Switch. So Steam and Nintendo Switch. You guys are Phase yep. 2 games out of Melbourne, Australia. Uh, The game is currently... It's $15 US dollars, I assume. Is it the same on Switch? Or do you have one of those Switch price things? No, it's,
3: it's, I, I think it's, it's it will be within, like within a dollar or maybe 50 cents on switch i can't remember but we've tried to price it as close as we can in all territories like steam and switch have different mechanisms for pricing and you've got to go and manually adjust them all but yeah it'll be around the same price on switch absolutely and it's a bargain (laughs) it's a bargain
2: you advertise 15 hours like i can see it um so again it's a dollar an hour folks a dollar an hour uh that seems very doable and we play it twice it's 50 cents an hour where do you get 50 cents an hour for entertainment well perfect
3: amen brother i agree completely
2: <laughs> perfect well, dan thank you for joining me is there any other spot i should send people to go check out the game or stuff about you
3: guys no well they can always go to phase2games.com but otherwise yeah just just search for battle hunters on nintendo switch or battle hunters on steam um we think it's a it's a game that was made with a lot of passion a lot of effort um we think it gives you a lot of entertainment for your buck, so hopefully people will check it out, enjoy it, and have a great time.
2: Again, and enjoy, I guess, the rest of your morning.
3: Thank you very much, Mike. It's been a pleasure.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a review of the SWW show. I'm here with Ahmad of Aousouf okay, Studio. <laughs> yeah,
4: the name is Ahmad. And the studio is called Husu. It means eclipse in Arabic.
0: I mean, my... Surprisingly, with Michigan being a rather large population of, of Arabic, so they, there's almost no interaction with, with anybody <laughs> of uh, immediate Middle Eastern descent. such a... It's pretty white by where I am, so my... Well, now you got me, man. So, yeah. like, you can see, yeah. that your first interaction. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's... Yeah. Maker of Shadow Dreams. But a very interesting-looking... Says here, first-person shooter with... Uh, strong emphasis on dealing with emotional... Thank you for... Uh joining the show and uh thank you for having me it's pretty darn cool
4: glad you liked man
0: yeah so getting into it like what you we we're kind of talking about this beforehand but the name shadow dreams and i had to bring it up because i typed in shadow into steam and it's about 15 things before you reach shadow dreams but you told me that this name really means something to steam, not just it's not just a name. Yeah, it's not just like therefore the cool
4: factor of having shadow in it, which I know some people might think that is the case. But uh, just, just I don't, don't want to trace too long, too long ago in my history. But like back in 2010 2011 my aim at that time was to, was to be a full time musician, and uh, my the genre of my band was progressive death metal at the time. And when I while I was composing that album. It was a one-man band band, uh, thing as well. So like I learned the instruments, audio engineering, blah, blah, blah. So like the the concept of doing everything on your own did not just come out of nowhere. It's been distilled in my personality for a long while. But anyway, the, the title of Shadow Dreams is that when I was composing that album, I'm not sure exactly what those dreams were exactly, but for the period of four years, I kept having constant dreams of shadows that approached me in certain ways, in certain senses, the dreams were extremely, extremely re- realistic. And some of those dreams inspired me and actually like even gave me the riffs to the to parts of the album. And that's why that, that name actually means something to me. And that's how like I transitioned it after making that album and trying to make it and sadly didn't make it as a musician. I transformed that album into like, okay, let's make a game out of that album. Let's build on, it. let's make a brand out.
0: It sounds like your uh, your game has got the start of the uh, like the Norse mythology. Like all of all of their stuff is like it came to me in a like in it not and a it... not a vision not a vision the way that like uh, Judeo Christian things start, but there's this like oh I went to sleep and I had a dream and the dream told me this. That story is so cool. It's not, I mean, it, it's really not a story that a lot of people have. Like, people th- want to think that they have that. But yeah. Like, man, it, it came to me in a dream. Like, okay, it, it, no, it's, it's probably actually, your subconscious.
4: I agree, yes, yes. Yeah. But like, it was the thing is, like, it was constant over four years. It wasn't just yeah. one or two, it just kept going, kept going, kept going. And that's why I decided, like, okay, Shadow Dreams. And the name of the studio, which was the name of the band at the time, khusuf it means uh, lunar eclipse. You know, when you get a blood moon sort of thing. Yeah. And I wanted the name for the band. And surprisingly, at the time, I just looked out the window and there was like the most beautiful blood moon. And I'm like, okay, Khusuf it is. And that's where the name of the band slash the studio came from.
0: You don't believe in like... I don't know. Coincidence is the wrong word, but like, if you don't believe in there being a higher power, like that, <laughs> that, that story right there, like, what, whether, whatever, whatever the name of your higher power is, like, there is something that just doesn't. It, either it a doesn't it right? Either yeah. a, your higher power is called shrooms, or <laughs> b, it's truly a higher power and something. Not just your subconscious that's
4: playing tricks on you, yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: Who knows, man? But uh, I just, I just honestly, I just went with the flow, and uh, it, it was a very, very, very long journey to get to the point to where I am right now. Honestly speaking, it was not easy at all. Like, for example, like uh, after I finished the album, I went and played it live, and like, okay, let's do it as a musician. But something broke me at that point is that after the live show, I was extremely happy. I sold out the albums, completely sold out, about like 60, 70 copies, which was pretty big at the time for like back in Jordan. It wasn't here in the UAE. It was pretty big to do something like that. And what really broke me and what really diverted me away from the, the music scene is that after the show, the money for the album that we gained was stolen. And it was stolen by the organizers of the event. <laughs> it's usually how it happens. Yep. <laughs> yep, they came to us like, you broke the drums and you got to pay for it. I'm like, what the hell, man? What do you mean we broke the drums?
0: Always come <laughs> up with something.
4: Yep, and uh, the money went by and that, that changed my perspective. So after that, I, I sadly had to like come to the reality of the situation that if I want to survive, I need to find a real job. So I graduated from civil engineering school at the time, the university. And I traveled here to Dubai, the UAE, to find a job in civil engineering. Like I came like flat, like I know how they say, like flat out broke with nothing but my clothes. (laughs) So, yeah, I came here, found the job. And uh, how to say it lightly, I absolutely hated my life (laughs) in that job. Yeah, Yeah, I know it was engineering, quote, unquote. But the job was basically I have to go to the construction site for about 10 hours a day, stay out in, like, searing temperatures, scream at people. People scream at me every single day. That was the job.
0: So here's uh, an idea. (laughs) How about you go stand out in the desert, tell somebody that they're doing it wrong, and they'll yell back at you, no, I'm doing it right. And, uh, yeah, do that for 10 hours a day, probably, what, five days a week, six days a week. Just, uh, realize, sounds, sounds that, like... <laughs> realize that that this maybe isn't <laughs> just maybe this isn't really the path, you know. <laughs> so wow. it it
4: it just it it came to me at that time that I needed to find a way out. Like hundred percent, this is not going to work out. I am not happy. I'm miserable. So at the time, thankfully, I got shifted into the night shift, which allowed me to have a bit more you know, me time since everyone's asleep and I'm just working the graveyard shift in the construction site. And I took that time to like realize what is my next step. And thankfully at the time I was engaged to who is now the co-founder of the studio. She works with me in the studio, by the way. So she supported me in that bush towards the right direction, you can say. So the concept of shadow dreams, I had to evolve it into something that uses my creativity and brings financial return. And music was not the path, sadly. So I decided. It it it's the path for very few people. <laughs> sadly, it's just it's a it's a typical one percent situation. So uh, I decided to make a book. And then I realized that I'm not a very good writer. <laughs> and then I like because I have zero experience in game development. So like. I didn't even, honestly speaking, like, I don't mean to sound like that, but I had no idea that game development was even a thing, you know? I hardly knew that it existed at the time. But what was there was app development. So I'm like, okay, how about I make this Shadow Dreams concept into an application game type of thing? Something like, you know, a choice based type of book, engaging, and that stuff. And uh, one thing led to another, and uh, my ambition got the best of me. <laughs> And I kept expanding, 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 expanding. I came by Unreal Engine, downloaded it, tried, 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 tried. I like the project that you see right now, Shadow with the game. I would say that 50% of that game was made this way. I go to work. I have my laptop. I put it into the drawer cabinet. I connect it to the monitor. <laughs> and I work on the game. Like in super secret touch mode, and as soon as like a manager comes or anyone comes, like oh, tap, all oh, tap, <laughs> into some steel structural drawings, and like that—that that was the life for about four years.
0: You're like, gotta figure out this, these nodes. Oh, uh, manager. Okay, now this this bolt right here that needs <laughs> half a. Second. Yep. Yep. And then left half a cent. Oh, cool the node needs to go right there. Exactly, exactly. But, but now imagine that
4: Unreal Engine gets stuck in, and someone is passing by. I'm like sweating my feet off completely. So, like, th- that was a typical day in the life of me for for the first four years of development because I was, I, I literally had zero background. So, I was learning as I'm going. Like, just a little fun fact the game that you're seeing, Shadow Beam, is literally the first project I ever opened.
0: Well, but the difference is it, it just visually does not look like a first project. It Thank you. Man. Thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you, you like it. Looks amazing. Thank you very much. Even, even taking out the, the fact that it's, it's a project, even taking out the fact that I'm talking to you, like if somebody showed me the shots, you know, like, hey, this is a game that's going to be coming out early next year. Man, this looks pretty cool like I would say oh, you know, probably a, a smaller studio because it's not like you're not looking at it and going like man it looks like take your pick for big wow. shoot it doesn't look like Destiny it doesn't look like Halo yeah. which is good I mean Destiny and Halo that's kind that's of look the- like the same yeah. thing and then if you started telling me the story of yeah this is his first project and it's a very small team, and you're like I'd be like, no, like does not. I've seen enough first games to know that this. That would be my I reaction.
4: I really appreciate it. You. You're, you're a very kind.
2: And <laughs> your good days.
0: <laughs> yeah, my my good days, I tr- I try to be pretty nice, and my bad days, be. Just I'm just not going to talk to you, or uh, expletives are coming out. Don't want to talk. Um, so I, I can relate. <laughs> I do have to ask because you are now in Dubai, actually in Abu Dhabi. Oh, you're in Abu Dhabi. Okay.
4: Yeah. So like, uh, just sorry to interrupt. Like, basically, what happened is, or do you want like let's discuss it later? Continue.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I was just going to ask what like what is. To me, if somebody mentions the UAE, it's like, okay, that's this is opulence, right? Like this is this is an area that fifty years ago were fishing villages, but yep. now they're, you know, seven star hotels and it's like
4: towers everywhere. Yeah, it,
0: it's buildings it's every five seconds. Feet. It's yeah. Yep, yep. But what is like a as a as a westerner, like to me that that city is just like it doesn't look like anything truly happens there, just building, yeah, like so what is is there a game scene like is there anything like are there people that you can go to and be like, hey I'm stuck on this and you and uh unreal, do you have any idea? Here's the thing, like, every place has the good and the bad, obviously,
4: and like the the, the country as it is, uh, the, the best way to describe it is like, in my opinion, it's a land of opportunities. That's how I see it, at least. Like, if you work towards something, there is a place for you to make it in that in that industry, in that field, in whatever you're trying to do. It's not going to be easy, but as a as a growing economy. There is always a place for new ideas. there is always a place for for new creative things that match the trends of the industry. So you may be right about the artificial image of it, but it is filled with a lot of good people that fills with with a lot of multicultural backgrounds i I'm not from here i'm I'm actually I'm Palestinian with a Jordanian passport. That came from somewhere else and then moved somewhere <laughs> here. But in, in general, honestly speaking, I absolutely I absolutely love it here. Honestly, I feel like it's a home. And coming back to your question when it comes to the whole game development scene, the game development scene is like the best way to describe it, in the US, the game dev scene is, is a mature 30-year-old man, a 35, 40-year-old man with a with a nice Family and a structure and relatives, that's the game they've seen right there. Here in the UAE, the game they've seen is a toddler. That's how the best way to put it. It has a lot of potential. It's a very smart toddler, but it needs guidance. It needs someone to rise up and grab the hand of that toddler and just like push him in the right direction. It's still a very young industry. So, no, actually, if I ask, I go and around and ask someone like, hey, I'm stuck here, what do I do? That's extremely rare. Not for the reason that you think that there aren't developers. There are developers, actually. Like, I know at least 15, 20 developers at the moment. But almost all of them use Unity. The The scene right here is much more focused around the mobile mobile games. Like, in the indie scene is more interested in like smaller-scale games, I would say, and mobile games, because from a business perspective, mobile games are a much more guaranteed way of success for a much lower overhead cost. While what I'm doing right now, like the game Shadow Dreams I've been working on for five years now, it is what they call business suicide. (laughs) It's to not have any income for five, six years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's not a very common approach for the industry that is still growing. But my aim, honestly speaking, is to change that view when it comes to our region the view to our region is not really the best when it comes to developers obviously i, I admit it 100 percent. i have not seen like a decent title come out of here i'm not speaking about mobile games i'm speaking about like console bc and that type of stuff right and i feel very hungry to to be that person that breaks that norm
0: so let, let's see where it goes i gotta tell you just from your from your drive that i've only been talking Call well, it half an hour, but like your your drive and your passion for it, that you're just like we're on Zoom. We're like what say six thousand miles apart, something like that. Like basically yeah, I can like I can feel it. Like your drive is like there. Like you're probably gonna be the one, at least the first one. But like it you know, it, is, it is really interesting when you say that like a even the Middle Eastern general like. There's nothing big that has come out like there's titles from South America that have come out obviously europe the u s yeah asia Australia, like every other scene it seems like has had a hit like at at least one hit whereas yeah. u a the u a e and the middle east like i mean i'm not I'm not huge into mobile games but I'm sure there's, if I went on, I could find some. But as you say, in terms of like, full, like full-fledged is the wrong word. We don't, games. we don't
4: want to sound like elitist and say like, the true games are the non-mobile yeah. games. Yeah, I get what you mean.
0: Because I mean, like, mobile games are full-fledged games. Like, it's a fully-fledged idea. So like that, it's weird to say, but that term is both the wrong term and the right term. Yeah, at least for me, of like, not full fledged. Like, the idea is fully fledged, but not a, it's got one mechanic, not. It's 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 limited by like a three
4: inch screen, while yeah. we have now like VR headsets and controllers and haptic motion feedback. It it is a full game, but it feels like a full game from the Stone Age. I think that's like the best way to describe it from my from my perspective.
0: Yeah, we've got these instead of I'm holding up a. Yeah, listeners, I'm holding up my uh, index controller, one of them. We've got those instead of... Tapping on screen. I'm sure I'm going to offend a lot of people at the moment. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's the harsh reality. There are yeah. some amazing things done for touchscreens, but there's also a limiting factor. I... I'm least...
4: comparing a really nice bike to a Lamborghini. That's, like, the best way to put it. Like, it's, it's still a really nice bike,
0: yeah. but, like,
4: it doesn't go as fast? <laughs> like,
0: in that sense. Yeah. I mean, I I know some... It's obviously on a on a magnitude way above, but there are some definitely nice road bikes that are, like... It's, like, $1,000. Like, man, I could probably buy, like, an, a really nice Toyota Corolla yeah <laughs> and very few miles and it's got a room it's comfortable it's got you heat the- go homeless, you know like, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're like like that's that's the thing right like you could spend your twenty thousand dollars on a road bike and have the best bike possible that's your your mobile game, or you get a used toyota and that's a small scale pc game sometimes it's it's what what do you want like do you live in an environment that you could ride a bike all day then a bike do you live in an environment where you need a roof i'll get the car (laughs) good point man good point exactly and like the, the i don't i
4: don't know like the thing with mobile games is that it's very business oriented that's what i'm noticing right now and that's why like i don't hate mobile games because like i'm an elitist i'm like no the graphics are not good the control or whatever it's just turning like the mobile the app store is turning into like just the flea market you download mm-hmm. it you watch the 30 second app you download this you watch the app you fall you watch the app the game design perspective like right now i like one of the things i do is i teach game design in a university here so all of those principles that I teach, dump them in the trash if you're making a mobile game that aims to, create a, to make a profit, It feels like you changed the whole game design industry to match the concept of like, how many ads can this person
0: see? That's the harsh reality of... It's, now, it's no longer the... Uh, who was it? Infinity Blade, I think was the name of the game. Unlike the original iPhones... And it was like this fully. I think it was either Crytek or. And it was this amazing looking thing. It was like six bucks. Everybody was like, You're paying money for a phone game? Mobile, can you, what? How can you do that? <laughs> and then you realize this thing's awesome. And now. You're not paying six dollars for a game. You're paying six dollars for a ad boost or a, a profit boost for your idle game or you're paying six dollars for currencies or something like that like yeah, yeah. See, see like the problem is not paying for the game the problem is that
4: when you pay your money you're not paying to get the game you're paying to get your time back that you would waste <laughs> yeah. watching ads and, and no. that just breaks
0: the whole balance like the yin yang is completely down <laughs> at that moment well, and so let's get back to Shadow Dreams here, because I'm sure forever, but forever, yep <laughs> you were talking to me earlier before we started recording, kind of what what the idea behind in terms of like the gameplay mechanic of Shadow Dreams, and you mentioned a movie inside out, yeah that I've seen it in passing, not much, I know the idea. Because previews for that were lasted on every channel in the States for four months because Disney movie and own all the channels. So you could do that. (laughs) But yeah, you you were telling me this uh, this idea and it's it's interesting. Like it's it's not the the cyclical nature of a game is something that emotions are tough to tie to. Like, uh, for me, like, the, when I think of an emotional game, like a game that touched me emotionally, it was oh, well, probably four or five years ago now, but mm-hmm. it was a game called That Dragon Cancer. It was, like, two and a half hours long. You could maybe make it three hours if you stopped and checked everything but it was a dad made a game about his kid cancer and like it was a one shot like there was one path you know telling the story and like if you took a game it's tough a normal right game of cycles of okay you need to reach this point and then it's another level like that is tough to tie to hey I'm telling this story about dealing with son having cancer or dealing with losing a parent or dealing with um, your culture being suppressed or dealing you know things like that like mm-hmm. nor again quote normal games are tough to kind of fit fit that idea but you were telling me like you're using the typical of a game to point across.
4: Yeah, like, uh, let's say it again for the sake of the interview, but the concept of the game is that you enter the mind of a suicidal person. You, the player, are called the last thought of hope. That is you. The character in the game its a first-person shooter type of game. It's uh, like, speaking of it gameplay-wise, it's like I mixed the games that I absolutely love, took the best of what I think is about them, and mixed them into Shadow Dreams. And those games are like Doom, Skyrim, and Dark Souls. That's where the game is heavily inspired gameplay-wise. And story-wise, you enter the mind of this person, the, the suicidal person, as the last thought of hope. The theory behind it, after I did my research, read books, spoke to people, and like personal experience, uh, The the concept is when someone goes through a tremendous amount of emotional trauma, losing someone, grief, depression, uh, stress of life, whatever you want to call it, that's why in the the story of the game, we'll not specify exactly what the issue is. I want the player to relate to what they're playing. So that's why I'm leaving the issue as a bit of a vaguish concept. So when someone goes through that tremendous amount of stress, and they think about ending their own life, they thinking about suicide, one last thought of hope enters their mind. And that's where you start the game. You are the last thought of hope to enter that mind. And if you succeed in the, in the mission, in the game, which I'll explain a little bit what the mission is, if you succeed, you give that world a second chance to improve. That world is the mind of the player, is the mind of the person. And if you fail, it means that's it and the world literally ends. The world that I'm referring to, the world is the mind of the person. So everything you see in that the, in the world of shadow dreams is the mind of the person you're in. And the people in there, the NPCs, the characters, the monsters, the environment itself represents that mind, represents emotions, represents thoughts. Like for example, one of the, like you, you will be born of, uh, just to specify what are thoughts and what are they born of, each thought, is born of an emotion. That's the concept of the game. And each emotion is represented as an element. So there is the element of thunder, element of ice, fire, death, light, and lightning. Six elements. And each element represents an emotion or an instinctive sort of desire or your subconscious or something like that. So uh, you, as the last thought of hope, what is so special about you is that you have the, the, all the powers of all the elements. So it's a bit inspired by the avatar as well, the, the animation, I love that one. So the, the concept of mastering all the elements at once, that is you, the last thought of hope. And for example, like you are born of a very bad place. You are born in, in a place called the Bannock Pit. That's like the lowest place of the mind. That's where the panic attacks come from. And that's where you are born. And as soon as you go out, you meet a character called Anxiety, And he is a thought born of anxiety. And anxiety relates to the Thunder Kingdom, which is the Bashan Kingdom. So the concept of that character is that when your Bashan, which is extremely powerful, just like Thunder, for example, when that Bashan is suppressed, it turns into anxiety. And that just comes from my own uh, perspective for it. when I was in the construction site and I can't do what I love doing. I can't play music. I can't learn guitar. I can't work in game dev. That bastion was suppressed and turned into anxiety. Which led to many panic attacks in the construction site, which was not fun, and that's where the inspiration comes from for the Thunder Kingdom and Angsiet. And that's just that's just one example. Like we we can talk about this for hours, but you get this is the main idea of the game, the characters and the the weapons, which will be the emotions, the elements that you wield.
0: Also, I can't imagine having a construction site in my limited. Experience and construction. If you're not paying attention, you're going to have a very bad. Yep, <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And but it,
4: it, it doesn't come at once. Like There are warning signs, feeling lightheadedness, feeling extremely trapped, feeling like you can't breathe. And after a number of panic attacks, you kind of like know where this day is going. So it doesn't just happen out of nowhere.
0: limited experience on construction mainly like at most four-story buildings and knowing the construction projects that are going on in the middle east i don't know if you were going up in the buildings (laughs) or not but those are like 40-story buildings and it's not four definitely (laughs) i would have a panic attack just being up there i am i know it's i know fears are apparently irrational but I have a fear of heights that I've had for my entire life. I don't know why. Then this is not the field for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, as I can only imagine. It, it has been a very good time talking to you. Extremely looking forward to Shadow Dreams out. That's your end roll. You. Oh my, 40 minutes have passed already. What?
4: Oh yeah! Dang, that was that was quick, man. That was a rough, fun chat. I guess <laughs> time passes quickly when you when you enjoy what you're doing.
0: Yep, exactly. So in April of next year, uh, I'm not going to hold you. To... At this point, I think everybody would understand. Play anything because
4: well, that is the delayed. Sadly, that is the delayed. Uh launch date it was supposed
0: to be launched this month
4: yeah yeah but life has different plans that's the least to say
0: (laughs) as i say i think people if there there was ever a time to delay anything movie a book a game in a weird way 2020 was the year to delay because everybody was just like yeah we understand like the COVID, yeah yeah It is what it is, man. (laughs) Like, it could be, oh, we just ran out of money. But if you just say, oh, we had to delay this, like, I already be like, okay. We expected that. (laughs) Understandable. Nobody's angry. (laughs) Well, it was very
2: good talking to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, man. It was nice as well.
2: This podcast was a production of The SWW Show. To learn more, go to theswwshow.com. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at the SWW show. You can follow me at Mikey underscore Maroney. You can follow AJ at Losey Remember, new episodes premiere on Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time on Anchor.fm slash SWW and podcast services around the globe.